sa lahat ng tagapagkinig ng Chikas sa Gantala Press Podcast. Ako po si Clark, isang Sagittarius Sun, ang inyong host para sa episode na ito. Tungkol ang episode na ito sa astrolohiya, ika nga ni Zenaida Seva, hindi hawak ng mga bituin ng ating kapalaran. Kabay lamang sila at meron tayong free will. Gamitin natin ito. Sa karamihan, ang astrolohiya ay tinitignan lamang bilang pampalipas oras at pagbigay gabay sa ating araw-araw. Ngunit sa kasulukuyan, napapansin natin ang kanyang paglunsad bilang mas may pa sa mga prediksyon at sabi-sabi lamang tungkol sa ating personalidad at pagkatao. Para sa episode na ito, kasama natin si Bridget Diaz, isang magna cum laude graduate ng UP Diliman BA Sociology Program. Siya ay nag-aaral ng esotericism ng isang dekada na at ang founding president ng UP Esoteric. Siya ay nagsimula bilang isang astrologer at nagsulat ng mga astrology publications ng mga mahigit titong taon na. At siya ay naging speaker at the Queer Astrology Conference noong 2020. Sa kasalukuyan, tinatapos niya ang Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology Course at nananaliksik pa rin tungkol sa esotericism. Siguro mag-onting check-in po muna tayo bago magpatuloy sa usapan. So, kamusta ka naman, Bridge, na yung panahon ng pandemya? Hi, Clark. Okay naman ako. Uh, very busy pero masaya naman at siya kang Thankfully. Really happy that my family is safe. Sana lahat ng nakikinig sa atin ay ganun din. At kung hindi man, sana mag-improve ang circumstances nating lahat <laughs> bilang mga Pilipino. So, ayan, Bridge. Oo nga. As in, napapansin ko. So, sana nga for everyone else maging okay. So, siguro dahil nga tukos sa usapan ng astrolohiya at para magkaroon tayo ng isang line of thinking or definition, para doon, pwede bang paki-explain sa amin at sa pag- mga listeners natin kung ano nga bang astrology bilang napakadaming misconception tungkol sa konsepto dito? Well, siguro magandang simulan yung definition dito. No? Ang astrologiya ay isang lente, isa rin siyang wika, at isa rin siyang forma ng divination. Um, so, kung titingnan natin yung mismong salita, it's astro, logos, talaga yung pinagmulan niya. So, pag-aaral siya ng no, mga between, uh, unfortunately, sa mga astronomers, naunang astrology, kaya na-claim ng astrologers yung uh, yung term na astrology mismo at uh, they had to settle for astronomy. I'm so sorry, joke lang. Gaya nga nang sabi ko, no? uh, len siya, isa rin siyang language and a form of divination. The basic premise is that isa siyang... It's one of those hermetic forms of knowledge. And isang popular na quote ay, As above, so below. Kung sasabihin nating lente siya, isa siyang paraan ng pagtingin sa mga nangyayari sa mundo. Uh, nagagamitin mo yung mga nangyayari din sa taas, kasi as above, so below. O sa, sa sky, sa mga between, sa mga planeta. At dapat nare-reflect noon yung mga nangyayari dito sa, sa Earth. <laughs> at saka, isa rin siyang lingwahe, bilang pwede mong i-communicate yung mga regular earthly activities, mundane activities through the language of astrology using the planets, the signs, the houses, and all of those other components na pwede mong sabihing alphabet naman ng astrology. Now, form din siya ng divination um, na ginagawa sa pag-aaral ng, um, ng mga between, ng mga planeta. Uh, paano ba? Ano bang ibig sabihin ng divination? Um, it's really about um, all of these non-scientific, non-religious practices, beliefs that we use to get answers, um, predictions about 
all sorts of mundane or earthly activities. So, ganun siya. So, sana masummarize siya, no? Na astrology is really a study of the stars. Um, yun yung literal na translation niya. But you can really see it as a lens, a language, and a form of divination. And you may or may not be using astrology through all of those things. Like, you might not see it as a lens, you might not see it as a language, you might only see it as a form of divination. Maybe you see it as all three, but the truth is, it is all three, and it's really dependent on the person using it. Um, kung paano niya i-define yung purpose ng astrology para sa sarili niya. Pero in general, yun siya. Ayun, basic premise, as above, so below. So, um, kung ano yung nangyayari sa taas, yun yung nangyayari dito sa Earth. Taas meaning the supralunar heavenly bodies. So, ayun. I think that's a very interesting definition on astrology. Well, from a personal standpoint, kasi dahil I grew up talaga with um, family members who were into yung pagbabasa lang sa newspaper columns. Like, mostly ganun talaga yung personal orientation ko with it. And, yun, personally speaking ka rin, napansin ko nga rin yung ganyang klaseng pag-redefine kasi I do have friends who, may, well, may isa akong friend who actually took a course on how to understand astrology in this kind of way. And I think ang ganda nung pagkakadefine mo na isa siyang pagtingin, language rin siya at divination since a lot of people see it as something very spiritual and to guide them. Pero can you expound by what do you mean how you implement it since nabanggit mo nga na Um, per se, nag-research ka on astrology. So, what are some ways that you notice how people practice astrology? Okay, so when it comes to how other people use or apply astrology, I would say that the less annoying <laughs> annoying ways that people have... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. This is going to be a lot of... But, um, mga sama na loob. But, like, one is, I find that Yung current occult revival, which is part of sort of the historical period where all of these occult disciplines have been psychologized. Um, so basically, mga tarot, astrology, all forms of rejected knowledge. Nagagamit siya for self-understanding, um, for personal insight into other people's psychology and personality. So I guess... As long as it's done well, it really provides people conceptual vocabulary for understanding themselves, communicating the really nuanced and complicated traits that they would find difficult expressing or making lucid to other people using just regular language. Like I said, astrology is a language. So instead of saying, you know, I have a really short attention span, but I'm also a great listener. I'm not necessarily an awful person. You can just say you're a Gemini. Um, whether or not a Gemini is not necessarily an awful person is um, up for debate. I'm just kidding. I, I find that it's really up for debate sa mga social media spaces. But yeah, so one way that people use it is to understand themselves and others. So it's like this very personal, private sphere kind of function and then there are also i mean you mga general and dominant conclusions about why people are turning into uh, turning towards astrology the conclusions drawn by social researchers or social scientists um, is that it's really a way for people to be able to deal with tumultuous social economic and political realities So um, if something goes wrong in their life, they want to look into astrology to help, one, understand it, or two, deal with it. So coping is still a very psychological thing, but then there's also getting answers, getting solutions, and getting guidance, which I think falls more 
into divination. So they're trying to derive practical solutions from a very impractical art, which is astrology. So I think those are the ways people have been using astrology. Um, to be more specific, um, yung mga common, I guess, sa people our age, dating is one. We see that Bumble has made it possible for you to see the person you're matching with uh, Zodiac yeah. sign. <laughs> so, yeah, you find out what their sign is before you find out whether they have good hygiene. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, nauuna pa yun kesa sa mga mas basic information, I guess, when you're trying to meet new people in general. But I think th- that's a good sort of umbrella summary of what I think or how I think people use astrology nowadays. I see. Well, at, at least that's yeah. most people. Sorry, I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll mention like the others. Um, for adults, they use it for business, when to start their businesses, where to have their businesses, what kind of kind of business to go into, what kind of career paths to go into, should they marry certain people. So I did mention relationships earlier, but I was speaking mostly of dating. So. I think there are, I mean, there are lots of adults into astrology where things get more serious and have lasting effects. So this is where, like, a lot of really good traditional astrology is needed. So what do you mean by traditional astrology? How does traditional astrology, I guess, would you say, differentiate from modern astrology? All right. So I've talked a bit about this earlier, but I'll explain further. Um, since this is really actually complex and there's a lot to say. But in terms of general differences, number one, traditional astrology is about 2,000 years old, whereas modern astrology, which is probably the only astrology majority of the listeners will be ever familiar with, just because of how rare uh, the resources on traditional astrology are, um, Yeah, so compared to modern astrology, that is about 200 years old or so. Number one, traditional astrology is much older. Number two, the uses that people have for it are rather different. So what I talked about earlier, what what I listed earlier, were very... These are people's behavior, people's um, sort of reasons for using modern astrology. It's very psychological. The reason why is that there's a certain point in history where all of these things, all things esoteric, became psychologized. So they went from being used very, very practically. So when I say practically, these are the things that traditional astrology was mostly used for. Black and white answers. um, Sort of practical solutions for practical problems. Whereas you have modern astrology where things are a lot more subjective personal and psychological a lot of personality based stuff and everything is incredibly nuanced which is also helpful but meron kasing downside na sometimes there's so much nuance that nothing is ever clear a lot of modern astrology is really people not caring about traditional astrology or what astrology has been for more than 2,000 years and just sort of making their own stuff up after reading like a couple of books or something, which isn't always good. So modern astrology is more like do-it-yourself astrology or DIY astrology or because I said so astrology. There's so much dilution in the tradition. And that's not always bad, but it 
is pretty bad most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's another. So, I guess I said a lot of things. First, I said one is older. Next, I said one is more practical. The other one is super, super subjective and like personal. Um, and also, the scope, I guess, of modern astrology is actually very limited. A lot of astrologers mm. don't realize that you cannot use modern astrology for, say, politics, the weather. You can't really use it for predictions most of the time. I would, I'm so sorry. For everyone who's making a living out of modern astrology <laughs> and you're trying to use it to predict auspicious timing, sure, if it works for you, but I, just so you know, it's not really, in general, the best it hasn't proven itself yet. Uh, it's t- traditional astrology's domain is those things. Um, yung mga practical talaga and mundane concerns. And also much larger, more uh, sort of on a public sphere level, more collective mm. issues are best discussed through traditional astrology. So, ayun. So yeah, it's like the ages, uh, how old these disciplines are is different. Um, and then their applications and then their scope so yeah hmm. i hope i made sense <laughs> yeah that's actually yeah that's actually a great comparison i would say kasi yun nga sinabi mo na very individual nga yung modern astrology considering yun nga first speaking kasi yun nga yung mga kita ko sa social media yung mga twitter accounts ba yun na on astrology where they make these even though it's for jokes aside po yeah. napapansin ko parang it doesn't really how how would they say this parang you know napansin ko it's just for fun so parang when they started to see nga people getting more serious into it and some of them even using these accounts as references i don't know like people like yeah. i hindi ako name drop ng accounts na lang para safe pero i've seen one of those accounts eh, they make they like to make these long threads about these signs and What's coming it's ridiculous. Them? I'm so sorry. There's a lot of those. I'm, just, I'm not even, I'm not scared. Come for me. Um, it's like, there are a lot of people who do do that and they have a considerable platform yeah. and they claim things to be very, very true of certain people, certain signs. You know, they make these stereotypes and they claim, they claim knowledge and authoritative knowledge. And it's just so sad because it's not necessarily the most responsible thing to do. Because um, some people might read that and there might be unintended consequences if people do believe the things that you say. Tapos, I mean, certainly if people take a look at some aspects of traditional astrology, some people can still sort of take that knowledge and use it the wrong way. But there is a comfort in knowing that there is a, an actual basis for these things and you didn't just make it up. Like... <laughs> You know, Gemini's, I'm sorry, I keep saying Gemini's because they are sort of the most maligned sign yeah. along with Scorpio. Um, that, that's so unfortunate, right? <laughs> like, um, I don't have a lot of Gemini people in my life, but I just find that really, really unfortunate. Um, I don't necessarily believe that they are in traditional astrology necessary malefic. It, it's actually very neutral, but anyway. But yeah, you were saying, I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> Okay, pero yeah, nakita ko yung nakita ko talaga yung sinabi mo na people it might have intent, unintended consequences kasi even from a personal standpoint para yun nga um sa dating life and all even makikipagkaibigan 
yun nga, I would sometimes be skeptical of people who are Geminis, who are Scorpios because of that stereotype or even the whole compatibility things. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'm not encouraged to hang out with some people kasi hindi kami personality compatible or nagiging expedition na nga siya for some people even though it's supposed, well, per se speaking, yun nga, sometimes I find it um funny to engage in that kind of banter. Pero some people kasi take it too seriously nga. Yeah. You know, to the point na it leads them to make these kinds of decisions. So, napapansin ko nga yun na parang <laughs> they say, oh, I'm so organized, I'm a Virgo, but that doesn't necessarily, and even some of them feel pressured nga eh, na they want, they need to conform to the certain personality just because it's what their sun sign or yung birth chart nila. So, hmm, siguro since the, ano nga yung, na-mention mo nga yung whole, um, people sometimes making a living out of modern astrology. Can you give us, siguro, examples of ways people have done this? Awesome. All right. So I, I had a lot of thoughts that I wanted to bring up while you were speaking, and, and this is, I think, a good segue. So um, people making a living out of modern astrology. Gosh, my ADHD brain is telling me a million things because um, <laughs> one point that I do need to bring up is that modern astrology is so diluted, especially now that everyone is into astrology. Did you know that back in 2016, no one knew what a birth chart looked like? And when it when this all happened, I was so shocked. <laughs> it really was like a paranormal experience seeing someone else hold a natal chart. It was I never thought I'd see it. Because I'd been into astrology since I was a kid, right? So seeing this all happen was I didn't I never saw it coming. It it all happened like too much too soon. But anyway, right now I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, <laughs> um it's so diluted. Nah, it's like a lot of the things that people make a living out of. I don't even know if I can call it modern astrology. It's really stuff that they decided was true <laughs> and they use astrological sort of concepts um, and they're preaching it preaching about it and then they're having people um, I mean they're selling services so those are there's a lot of influencers doing that and then I guess one one uh, one thing I would like to point out for sure is that a lot of people don't know this but the people who write um, astrology related articles, um, including horoscopes and like predictions and readings. A lot of the people who write things like that for major news outlets like say Rappler, When in Manila, and all of those things, there are a lot of them that are not even astrologers. A lot of these people are just journalists who have Google. And if they are more than journalists who have Google and they're actually into modern astrology, I'm, I'm not talking shit. I know these people. They're my friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they wouldn't really necessarily call themselves astrologers, but sort of their job has made them, has sort of branded branded them as a member of this field. And what are they going to do? I mean, for example, somebody wants to invite them and interview them and pay them for it. And all they have to do is claim that they're an astrologer. No one's really going to know the difference because... Uh, the occult field in general is so unregulated unlike say scientists sociologists there are sort of regulatory boards um, whether official or unofficial people are looking at you and they can judge whether what you're doing is right or wrong whereas in astrology your guess is as good as the next person's like is this proper astrology nobody really knows so people get away with a lot of things yeah, and in relation to what you were saying, Kanina, you, you mentioned something about Virgos. 
um, you know who's a Virgo? Ferdinand Marcos is a Virgo. And here is my problem with people who make money out of um, modern astrology and say they're asked to write about politicians um, and have their articles published in these major news outlets. Like, they will dissect the person's chart, the politician's chart, and talk about them in a very humanizing way. But not every politician needs to be humanized. And it's not even a matter of, oh, I'm just like doing, I'm being an astrologer. This is, this is it. But no, listen, like, you know, in traditional astrology, a dictator is a dictator, point blank, period. There's no like, oh, they have uh, moon and cancer. Therefore, they're very attached to their mother. Like, we don't really need to do that. And yeah, it's just so sad also. I mean, if you're a writer, you should also know that there are some characters you don't need to humanize. And so that's just very unfortunate <laughs> to see people do that and say that they're doing it in the name of astrology. It's just disappointing. But yeah, I, I'll also just connect this to um, one of the thoughts that came up when you were speaking earlier. You said that um, you tend to have feelings of apprehension towards certain people with certain signs. And I feel like with the wealth of astrology articles being written and you know people these outlets trying to cash in on the occult revival um it's almost like there is a danger of people wanting to just preferring to read about uh, other people through astrology um instead of actually interacting with them so i feel like that's also one unintended consequence this this phrase unintended consequence i've been saying a lot because we're both astrology majors (laughs) but but yeah it's just it's really sad um it's a lot of responsibility i think a lot of people are having fun with astrology a lot of people are making money out of it because there are people having fun with it it's it's really in a peculiar state as one of the many forms of rejected knowledge and that actually comes with a lot of responsibility if you want to make sure you're doing right by it alongside the rest of the universe that is called esotericism. So when you mentioned you didn't realize that natal charts would boom like in 2016 they were around existed. I think the first time I've heard of it was around 2018 and what's funny about it I think it was because I was trying to pursue this person. And Ooh. I remember when I confessed to her, she went, can you give me your birth date and your time? And that was Who my first this? interaction with the natal chart. <laughs> I, so, I was so confused. I ended up having to study these things just to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really something. I think that's, that's when I really started why I began investing in astrology in some sort of way. Because everybody, well, from her and then from other people suddenly start everybody started getting into it a lot of my friends actually a lot of people i know do these um natal chart readings i guess probably segue on can you expound a bit more by what you mean by um esoteric or esotericism when in pertaining to astrology okay so this is going to be really interesting because a lot of astrologers don't actually want to claim the brand of esotericism that's really just internalized I don't know, internal. It's all you've internalized the rejection that major major social forces have dealt upon um, these fields of knowledge. But anyway, um, the loose sort of definition of esotericism 
is the study of because there's a lot of these a lot of these disciplines it's really really an entire multiverse of things the one thing they do have in common is that they have all been rejected by official science the um the academe official religion mainstream society the modern state and all of these things um so that's for me that is still my definition definition of esotericism after years and years of reading so um yeah and it's all of, um, there's a lot of associated terms. You have occult, you have magic, which is actually probably the more contentious of these terms, magic, because it actually did not come from esotericists. The term magic was a label attached to uh, things that the church didn't appreciate <laughs> and the academe also didn't appreciate. So they said there's philosophy, there's science, there's religion, and that magic BS over there on the side. So, um, and then you have things like spirituality and you have new age and all of these things, but uh, I prefer the label esotericism. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really it. I think that's the quickest and most sort of practical way of defining esotericism. Interesting, considering that, yeah, it is quite. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're the only person I know who actually studies it in academic in an academic sense. Because I've never even even from my even even from my course back in unnamed university, oh, not a lot of people <laughs> gained interest in this side of things. So I think it's very interesting that you decided to delve into that side of astrology. So. Could you tell us about what began your interest in this field in the academic Sure, sure. Uh, before that, though, I would like to emphasize that whether or not local indigenous religion or forms of like witchcraft or, and magic um, are also forms of esotericism is still a question. So at this point, esotericism is necessarily Western esotericism. So when I speak of esotericism, I'm not talking about Barang, I'm not talking about Gayuma, I'm not talking about the Babaylan. You know, these are not necessarily forms of esotericism. These are indigenous religions. And that debate is still going on, ongoing in the academe, whether or not esotericism should also refer to things that are not western but there's a lot of um implications like political implications when you try to subdue all of these things under a very western category so i am my stance is that it's terminolo terminological imperialism like you don't necessarily we don't have to be dragged into the west's you know <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, I, we're good. We're doing just fine um, because there's also there are a lot of people on Twitter being like um, saying things or tweeting things like, oh, how come everyone's just interested in the Western forms of um, the occult? What about our own traditions? You know, dear, if you have questions, you can actually ask people. If you have an anthropology professor, they could have answered that for you. You don't need to. I don't, Sorry, I'm just very skeptical of these people. I mean, why would you tweet to a crowd? whose guess is as good as yours. You're really just trying to get brownie points. If you're real, if you have a question, you can ask, you can actually research and you can ask. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, the ethics of, of dealing with our own local practices is very different. For instance, um, our local sort of um, communities who are known for these practices, 
do not appreciate us sort of trying to barge in there and you know put them on the spotlight and you know that's a very western notion actually that everything must be discovered and um put out into the sun to dry <laughs> i don't know so sometimes you can respect something by leaving it alone i feel like there is a weird messianic thing going on that is just so misplaced because these communities believe in their power so they believe they're powerful therefore they don't necessarily think that they need us so have 10 seats and eat your food anyway um i'm sorry i'm so mean but I'm, there's a lot of pent up oh, frustration okay. Okay. um but yeah Um how did I get into <laughs> what a wonderful segue. How did I get into astrology? I have no idea. Um I remember when I was a kid I've always been interested in things that are sort of dark and mysterious. So I actually began being interested in the night sky in general. I remember being into astronomy um and just buying a bunch of infographics in infographic form of like like any educational material with pictures of the dark night sky and the planets and but i bought my first astrology book when i was in second grade there it was really weird because ano siya isa siyang scholastic book fair wow. <laughs> and at the time my family really was not wealthy we didn't have a lot of economic capital so i had like 100 pesos and that was like allowance and my budget for the book fair And I looked around the hall, as in I nilibot ko yung social hall namin. I looked at every shelf, and I didn't want any book, but I randomly grabbed this one astrology book, and I bought it. <laughs> so I guess that I guess that's sort of a start. I read like a few pages and then put the book away. I still have the book. I had always been aware of zodiac signs, and even way before that. But I guess that was the first empirical, <laughs> first empirical uh, evidence of me really taking an interest into astrology. Then I really took it seriously and really delving deeply into it when I was in the fifth grade, and that is because of Adam Lambert. <laughs> I had a huge crush on him, and he was really into astrology and. Um, so until my my crush on him faded, but I kept the astrology with me. So yeah, <laughs> that was like 2009. Luckily, I found some mentors along the way when I got to college. Um, I discovered traditional astrology, um, and I did meet a lot of other older people who were really doing this for a living and who had a less sort of profit-driven <laughs> approach towards their practice, less exploitative, I guess, approach towards their clients. So that was cool. And then um, now I'm taking uh, Chris Brennan's Hellenistic Astrology course with the help of some people because it's an expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really cool, huh? Yeah. Adam Lambert. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that he was into astrology. That's interesting. Wow. His website adamlambert.com used to be to have like astrology glyphs as buttons. Oh. That was intense. That was a moment. I I have <laughs> a photo a screenshot of that that I included in one of my papers like during one of my I think the second to the last semester um sa UP. Wow. So, 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that about him. Wow, that's really cute. <laughs> yeah, he's now the lead singer of Queen. For those yeah. who don't know, he used to be he was an American Idol first runner-up. Yeah. Then now he's the lead singer of Queen. <laughs> Not all. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, since you've mentioned that you've encountered, luckily enough, you've encountered mentors and or is currently taking a course, but because of its it's quite expensive. You're still getting financial support in order to be able to continue these practices. What can you say about that kind of um barriers or parang yun, yung parang pagbabakod na not a lot of people can get into a serious investment or a serious na pag-aaral dun sa astrology? Yeah, so here's like a huge problem. I think for me, this is like a huge issue of like structure versus agency because on the one hand, They, sorry, this came from one of one of my Marxist professors, and they said that everything is capitalist in a capitalist society. So, for example, Chris Brennan, his courses are expensive, but like, I, you look at the material and all the work that he had to do for it. From a Marxist stance, you will also want to properly compensate him for his labor. So that is so unfortunate. But I guess there are a lot of efforts. From established astrologers to give out free lectures, it's just that yeah, it's still sad that these more quality materials, obviously the paid ones, are gonna be better. Right. Let's just be real. It's just unfortunate that you know the people getting these courses might not be the best astrologers. They might just be the people with the wealthiest parents. And I think that's something that the one of the many things the astrology community needs to really sit down. And think sharply about using social scientific judgment, because and not no not personal you know biases, because a lot of individualism also with um within the community. Yeah, how do I feel about it? This is coming from someone who values scientific research on esotericism in general far more than like being uh, an astrology consultant or an astrologer, but. For me, it's just it's devastating. That's it. Because <laughs> when you when you when you look at it from like a scientific perspective, you need the right people to have the right knowledge. And if that's not happening, there is no future in terms of esotericism in general worth talking about. So I feel like it's one of those problems that needs to be addressed collectively. Yeah, we can't leave it up to luck all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. So honestly, this is something that I'm sort of, yeah. For me, it's a, it's a problem of structure and agency because as much as a lot of people can choose to make things free and accessible, we also live in a we live in a capitalist society wherein that's not always feasible. And then you also see the the people who are availing of these services and. While I do believe that quality education should be available for all, you see, there's these people, and it's like mostly also privileged kids already, and you're not necessarily reaching the most marginalized. And it's almost like, how about I just charge these people anyway, since they're not, they can't actually afford it, so that I can put in more funds for reaching the actual marginalized people. So it's very, very, it's very complicated, especially for. The field of occultism, since it's it's oh yeah, there's no in, there's no parallel in human history and in human intellectual history. It's the most neglected field. 
So the economy is weird. The communities are disorganized. And so questions of accessibility, they're already complicated in other fields. But when you go into the occult, it's just a lot more, a lot more difficult. For me, it's just, my feelings are just, it's very unfortunate. <laughs> that, that, I think that's a good lay-down explanation of it, considering, yeah, I think in a scientific perspective, of course, we always prefer to publicize or make things more accessible, especially the culture of research and doing things and analyzing things much more critically and doing it more, well, not really properly, but with more quality. I do like how you lay down those complications, especially, I guess, if we're going to compare this to something as, as I read from your one of your works as like a religion religion. Like yeah, it is something similar. Like it's something that's also with connecting with this higher being of some sort. But yet it's much more I would say generally accepted compared to yeah. To something religion like is generally more a lot more accepted. <laughs> I mean one one obvious giveaway is that religion is required in schools. Yeah. And so with that comes our ability to judge to have proper judgments for evaluation. So even if you're not necessarily a Catholic, you kind of have an idea how to judge a proper Catholic. Whereas if you are trying to judge an astrologer, you're like not exactly sure. They didn't teach you this in school for years. They didn't, you didn't have books about this. So it's, yeah, the lack of a proper habitus. So that's um, Pierre Bourdieu, my favorite <laughs> astrologist. Um, so none of us had the habitus for it. And that does entail a need for economic capital or a distribution of said economic capital. <laughs> um, yeah. Would you say, well, of course, with the current unfortunate inaccessibility to the discipline, would you say there are ways that we can educate those who are interested in studying astrology like are there possible means for them to be able to access this information especially considering with the numerous misinformation available on the internet are there i don't know probably recommended resources for them to begin or are there other alternative ways to explore astrology you know i think the best way to do it um is to unfortunately we have to lobby you mga uh, professionals and yeah. to sort of get them to keep doing free services and but uh, I think a better way <laughs> maybe this is a personal bias a better way of doing it since I'm also really more focused on a more academic social scientific approach because um, I think it re- all all occult disciplines you know i think people are under the impression that science will end occultism no it's the only thing that can resuscitate it um so my thing is you go to the go to the history books that are written about astrology and um just keep digging you can use the ahadim even if it's considered unacademic so there are academic resources sorry i'm pulling up a list of books. So if you cannot get access to traditional astrology, so modern astrology is everywhere. Just go to Fully Book National Bookstore. You'll find the book there. Congratulations. You can even go to Google. And if you just type the only astrology book you'll ever need by Joanna Woolfolk or something like that, .pdf, you'll find a book. Um, it's all free. But if you want traditional astrology, that's going to be a bit tougher. There are websites they're very incomplete. So you can just look for it. You can just Google traditional astrology. You can listen to Chris Brennan's prod- podcast. They're super long. And I guess that's 
for a beginner, that's a lot already. If you want, you can also read certain books. So I'm scrolling down. Ah, shoot, I cannot pronounce his name because he is Dutch. And this is so unfortunate because we will be collaborating soon. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a book by I'm gonna. This is the Eng, This is my English pronunciation of his name. All right. I do not claim to be. I'm not claiming to know how to properly pronounce. So his name is Wouter uh, Hanegraaff. I, I believe it's like. Okay, I'm not even gonna attempt. Anyway, so this is a book by Wouter Hanegraaff. It's entitled Western Esotericism: A Guide for the Perplexed, and he cites some uh, sources you can read up on if you want to know the history of astrology. So he cites, for general introductions and overviews, see Jim Thester's A History of Western Astrology. Oh, there's a book in Dutch or some European language that I also mm -hmm. cannot. But there is one by Kaku von Stockrad. I know this person. I believe this is Stockard. Did they misspell it in this book? But never mind. Um, I read about I read this author's work also. So apparently he wrote something on astrology. I just cannot pronounce it. Um, but anyway, you can check out this Hanegraaff book and see it for yourself. Um, he also says two good studies that show how astrology functioned in the early modern period are Patrick Curry's Prophecy and Power and Anthony Grafton's Car um, Cardanus Cosmos. So that one was published by Harvard. So um, anyway, when you take up astrology courses, his, uh, traditional astrology courses, they begin with history. And you do get a lot from those. That's very important. You have to know your facts because a lot of people like to skip that. It's it's unfortunate. It's really, really sad. But yeah, so just a sidebar, Mr. Hanegraaff, which is also a very incomplete pronunciation of his last name. Uh, the author of this book that I'm citing, which also cites a lot of books about astrology, he is the first um, chairperson of the second university in the world to have an academic chair for Western esotericism. And he's like one of, probably, I, I, I don't know, in my opinion, like, uh, yeah, definitely one of the leading scholars in this field. And based on what I've seen, a really, really prolific one. I think for, yeah, he's written and edited a lot of books, journals, articles. So super cool guy. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. So my advice is, um, if you're not into, uh, if you're not satisfied with the podcast and the articles you find on the internet on traditional astrology, if you don't want to lobby for more free stuff, uh, and you really can't afford a course for yourself, and you're not thinking of saving, and it's that's not even imaginable for you, I suggest you go to the academe, which also is filled with like gatekeeping. But these these are you know, you, you know the sources where you can get things. <laughs> you know, strangely, like a lot of astrologers are very touchy on the subject of piracy. That has to do more with their, I believe, their political and economic leanings and perspectives less than like the sharpest academic and scientific analysis on the concept of piracy. So, yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for thank you for the recommendations. I think yeah. if you can send me a list and I'll put it in the description of the episode. Yeah. So I guess since we've discussed a, a bunch of um, ways astrology is being practiced in the modern and traditional sense, I guess let's go a bit a back a bit back more in the personal sense of 
I guess you right. being an being on the more academic side of things with um, astrology, can you give us are, are there um, certain ways that you yourself personally practice astrology? Like, are there specific rituals that you do, or how you incorporate it into your daily life? At the moment, I am super practical with my practice. So I started just like everyone else, being interested in your own personality and your own psychology, and trying to find. Um, conceptual vocabulary to communicate the most intricate and complicated things about yourself but nowadays I'm really into uh, keeping track of planetary hours which is I think a concept more familiar to traditional astrologers you can uh, you it's easy to learn though if there if you know the basic meanings of the planets and you can get your hands on a software whether it's for your phone or it's just an online website or it's an app for your computer or if you can find magazines which is not the most not the easiest one to do it's really just trying to time certain activities in such a way that they match up with the most compatible planetary hours so for me when there is a super important like email that i need to send i always send it during jupiter hour because um, <laughs> Jupiter is a great benefic it's really in astrology known as the planet of expansion and, and abundance so and growth and it's really this big happy positive planet so I tend to do things that are important during Jupiter hour um, and then I also keep track of like lunations you try to see I try to avoid um, certain periods of time where the moon is void of course so that is a whole concept also right so it's all of these timing uh, timing procedures um, that are very practical and it's more yeah it's less psychological it's more like um, what, I would I really prefer to do these things especially if I know that like these are practically harmless to apply Let, let's just say i have a deadline and it's 1 p.m but planetary hours tells me the best time is 2 p.m like I'm, I'm still gonna submit by 1 p.m or earlier like it's just something that you know i think recently i also started theorizing maybe it's also a very filipino thing we are known to be a little bit more superstitious and i think political and historical events have sort of put us in a state of PTSD where it's like if we can secure more luck we will and um, and you try to really really make the most of certain locks I mean uh, certain forms of luck yeah it's it's that's what I enjoy doing on top of that I also really like electional astrology because I feel like it's like puzzle solving electional astrology is applying astrology to be able to choose or to elect um, a date for certain events like the best most auspicious date for certain events so the things that I mentioned planetary hours um, void of course moon and all that stuff you can use that for electional astrology but that's not all that electional astrology is so you also want to look at the retrogrades so for example if I'm going to have a seminar and it's currently mercury retrograde it is in my best interest astrologically to not schedule it during this period the current period which is you know you know when mercury is in retrograde and i will also try to if um if it comes down to the time of the event i will try to choose um 
like maybe Jupiter hour, but since it's a, a seminar, you can also choose Mercury hour. Better yet, you can also try to choose a time where the ascendant or the major planets, <laughs> uh, uh, any other sort of very time-sensitive planets are compatible with the main actors in the event. So things like that. So it's really like puzzle solving for me. So I, I like that. It's very fun. Apparently, um, so I recently did this for my org. I have been doing this casually for my org, uh, UP Esoterica. But I, I only recently found out that astrologers charge, like astrologers my age charge like $200 at least for electional astrology. Wow. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> um, maybe I will someday consider being an astrologer, even just as a side hustle. <laughs> but yeah that's that's how i um that's how i practice or use astrology most of the time so i've outgrown the very modern you know trying to google your crush's placements you know um phase I, um not and not that i'm judging it because that was a lovely time as long as you're not being an ethical i feel like that's really a good way to learn about yourself and others but yeah there's really just it's really just a matter of balancing um, or trying know, knowing the difference between having knowledge about yourself and others and propagating stereotypes and like you know being responsible. But I was such a loner in 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 that when I was ex exploring these things, um, I was never really gonna harm anyone because I barely had like um, very bebo ako sa class, but I was not very sociable on a personal level like outside of the class but yeah anyways i'm rambling i'm rambling sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> that's interesting though since huh so i think i know two people who also kind of do the similar kind of practice that's interesting hearing can you mention their names no. <laughs> and i'm curious i'm curious to know who these are no no no, no. Okay. Give me like some details. Like who's that person that is funding their 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 studies? Can you like school it? Oh no, I know it's personal fundings. That's why they also do the Aww. whole natal chart and even tarot readings to fund them to be able to invest themselves more in the traditional side of things. Like they're using the modern astrology services to fund their to fund right. their studies. So I think yeah, wow, that's interesting. Since yeah, considerably I've seen, yeah, a lot on social media that people, when it's retrograde, people are in some sort of crisis. Coincidentally, I I guess I don't know. I also sometimes get get followed by that trend, like when it's retrograde, I get <laughs> kind of impacted in my thinking that oh, I guess I can't do well anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I have to say, I think Mercury retrograde is the most noticeable retrograde because it. It's almost, it's really like clockwork. Like, you mga nag-shut down on Instagram, on FB. It always happens during Mercury Retrograde. Like, we don't even have to worry about it. We're sure that it's going to, you know, something like that's going to happen. Um, all of these uh, telco companies are having issues. People are getting mundane details wrong because, you know, that those are very mercurial, mercurial, excuse me. Those are very mercurial things. I think it just really messes with the little and commonly taken for granted details of life and thinking and communication. Um, it messes with those things and then you realize how important those quote uh, little things are. So yeah, 
<laughs> but it's it's um it really depends on where where the the retrograde is happening in your personal chart and as long as you're careful and meticulous which i'm a very earthy person <laughs> so i don't i don't i've been seldom heavily affected by mercury retrograde i just think that you know try not to fear monger yourself and others also i think that's a, oh yeah that's another thing that i have that's another issue that i have with these news outlets is that every retrograde sounds like the end of the world yeah no it's just you know periods where you have to put extra effort into put extra consideration into the things that are related to the planet in retrograde so for example if it's mercury it's um, communication thinking maybe gadgets writing speaking all these little mundane details and facts who what when where all of those things your ability to absorb those and communicate those might not be as smooth as it used to be i mean as long as you double check your emails you'll be fine <laughs> but um yeah and then it's it gets more ridiculous when they freak out about jupiter retrograde which Jupiter retrograde happens every year and Jupiter is retrograde for six months every year. So the world can't be ending every every year for six months. Um, and also Jupiter retrograde is really just a concern for major, I guess, Jupiterian things like businesses, starting a business, um, getting into a partnership related also to your sort of yung kabuhayan mo marriages probably uh it's very spiritual but very very i mean that's just that it's probably just not a good idea to get married during jupiter retrograde but i don't consider it a main factor because i think that is more under the um the territory of venus but yeah i mean really big think really big like um uh the people who are concerned with jupiter retrograde are people who can lose like hundreds and thousands of pesos by signing a contract so if you are not necessarily going to deal with something like that or you're not going to to deal with something that feels like that because not everybody has hundreds and thousands of pesos but what feels like hundreds and thousands of pesos for you um, if you're not necessarily going to be risking that amount of value in your life you don't have to freak out about Jupiter retrograde. And I really think that goes for all retrogrades, even like Mercury or Venus. It's all about taking things slower, reflecting a lot more, reviewing a lot more, starting or and making final decisions a lot less or a lot, a lot slower or just being more meticulous, just slightly more meticulous about things. Like um, make sure that that chat message you're going to send isn't something you're going to want to unsend double check all of your gadgets, back up your data for Mercury retrograde. Venus retrograde, people start questioning their relationships. Do you really want to break up with them? Do you really want to <laughs> start the relationship with them? Just like, it, I guess it's one of those things that it won't hurt to just think a little bit more. I heard from a philosopher that you can never think too much. You can just think badly. So I don't believe in overthinking. Is that just an Earth sign thing? I don't believe that there's there's such a thing as an um, as overthinking. There's just thinking incorrectly. If you feel like you're overthinking, 
you're just thinking incorrectly. There's just something wrong in the direction that your mind is taking, which isn't something you should hold against yourself. It's just a pattern people fall into and you just need to sort of find your way out, you know. So yeah, retrogrades are times, uh, are sort of periods for review and taking things a bit slower and being a little more careful. But yeah, not not the end of the world. I'm sorry, what was the question? I think we've gone on on a tangent. It's okay. I think I think that's a good um laying down of the whole of how we can experience well how most of us experience astrology even in a collective sense like mm-hmm. how most of us yeah panic when it's retrograde or how you mentioned that it's a time for people to take things slow. I like how that kind of shifts the perspective on how we can think about astrology in that kind yeah. of sense. It's kind of like I don't know. Ang unang ko kasi na isip kasi religious household things like Holy Week. You know, it's a time where we reflect. Like, it's not just about, you know, the higher beings' time of death mm-hmm. or something and reborn, like, re- rebirth, something like that. Like, it's it's a time for us to actually um be more reflective. I don't know. And nakarate naman ako sa sinabi mo. I also don't believe in overthinking, I guess, as a very earthy sign person <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a good... That's a good way of looking at things of how astrology can be beyond just towards her individual selves. That's that's actually a good way of looking at it. So I guess to um segue <laughs> to the next point. So since you've mentioned um these kinds of ways or how even through history people have been using these kinds of practices or the lens of astrology, the language of astrology as a means of trying to make sense of these certain events. Um certain events happening in a societal sense. Can you expound a bit more that? Like, is there a way for us to even right now in modern society to actually incorporate traditional astrology and use it to actually make sense of certain social issues, I think, even especially right now in the political climate of mm-hmm. the elections? Is there a way for us to be able yeah. to incorporate that kind of practice? Yeah, definitely. I mean, traditional astrology was the astrology used um, by kings and all of that, all of those noblemen. Um, and currently, there's the same. Uh, I mean, the modern versions of those noblemen are still the ones really consulting like um, traditional astrologers because they can actually pay for it. Um, they can they can buy the immaterial. Um, they are that privileged. I'm just kidding. But anyway, no, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Yeah, as regular folk, yeah, we we still can. Um, we still definitely can use traditional astrology to understand big, big social and big and pertinent and important social issues and also big figures. Um, I am at a point in my life where I have decided for my own mental health that I will not use astrology to predict the future of the Philippines anymore because... You can, you, sorry, this is like super painful because it's like, um, it's really a matter of do you really want to experience national trauma in advance? Like, does that really change anything? So um, the reason I'm saying this is, for example, um, the pandemic or a better, I guess the better word to use would be the year or the better phrase, the better subject would be the year 2020 most reputable astrologers were worried about 2020 like years before when i say years before um when i was in korea at like during like 2017 when i heard of certain 
things taking place in the Philippines, I was extra concerned because I was worried that this was one of the events leading up to 2020. The reason is that 2020 back then for astrologers really sounded crazy. Not good. Okay, so the person who was saying that 2020 is a prosperous year, I'm not sure if you've heard of that person. Um, they live in another planet, and um, I hope that they have fun there where their logic makes sense because it doesn't do the same thing here on Earth. But anyway, so it really, what astrologers saw back then was a lot of political turmoil and a lot of body, like a huge body count, meaning deaths everywhere. So a lot of political turmoil in the major countries, you know, in terms of like, you know, imperial power and also, and even, and a lot of deaths just everywhere. And nobody really suspected it would be health related. Um, there were some planets overlooked because I think from my perspective, it's because these planets are usually not major players in predictions. But um, apparently there was one person who predicted that it was going to be health related but anyway um so and another reason why people were already panicking is that there were there are similar signatures between 2020 and the previous world wars so it was really really scary and like so i had all of that anxiety for years and then 2020 happened and all i still the only thing i still had was my anxiety like i did my best as a citizen to try to strive for a progressive society as much as I can, but that's really all that I can do. So I feel like all the time, anyway, you need to do your best. Even whether or not you know the future, you should still really exhaust all means as much as you can. So you don't really need to know, like, because at the end of the day, ethical astrologers are not just going to go on TV and make large and very emotionally provoking predictions just because any professional with like a regard for the well-being of the listeners i guess will not do that you won't just say those things they're they're important and they affect people's lives so for me yes definitely you can apply those things but i feel like oh yeah i think this is the better way of doing it I'll get into the concepts later in terms of like a how-to or like a, a one uh, parang politics and social issues 101 in terms of astrology in a bit. But a piece of advice that I would like to give also is like you also have to ask yourself if you really need um, esoteric advice on something. Because if you look around and you see evidences, you can empirically observe certain things. There are statistics and there are uh, findings that lead to a certain conclusion then I feel like I feel like you can also just use that lens so pseudoscience and science are two forms of discourse and if we say that pseudoscience is actually um, has merit if you do both things well you will ideally result in the same conclusions because you're observing the same reality just using different lenses so I feel like you can just turn to science, like it's it's there. It's 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 it, you know it, we're having a shit time, and there there are ways that you can um, come up with like long term and short term answers just empirically. So when it comes to the how to, right? Um, I was speaking earlier about like Jupiter being 
a benefic planet um and of course there is there are malefic planets or not the best planets so you have saturn which is in general associated with restriction limitation um also with like patriarchy and things like op- um oppression outright and like all of these things that that are not the best even capitalism not necessarily business it's actually more jupiter but like i would say the market economy <laughs> the same thing anyway then you have pluto so usually pluto isn't used in traditional astrology but when it sort of makes certain aspects with other planets you can look into it and especially if these have been recorded as historically significant um transits you can look into them so in 2020 saturn and pluto were in conjunction and if we have defined saturn as a planet associated with like limitation oppression all these things you also have pluto coming together with saturn and pluto is associated with like explosions what else um chaos and turmoil and emergency situations and extreme death type of thing so i mean there is no way that was going to be a prosperous year i forgot there was something else associated with pluto that's like less less scary and murky more practical but i am um, i fail to remember yeah so those things you can really see those and these are this is a conjunction that doesn't happen a lot and i guess that's also why it's really important to look into it if it happened every day then nobody cares but these things these giants only well pluto's not a giant but these planets these malefics only come together um during certain periods and therefore you should look at the associated meanings and what parts of society or um i guess themes of history might reoccur when these things happen so yeah so you have saturn and then I was talking about Jupiter. So if for example um Jupiter is well placed, um that just means like a good period in general. You can actually look at the country's natal chart by the way. So I feel like I'm just going on a really really long random lecture, but also um yeah, the Philippines has a natal chart. So that's definitely one direct way you can apply astrology to social issues and politics. You can look at the country's natal chart. and see the transits that are going to um affect it significantly so there are actually different charts though for the philippines and i believe in the july chart <laughs> believe is a weird word to use but i followed the july chart where yeah the, the philippines is a cancer sun so there have also been really weird readings of that chart by the way really really strange readings to make especially if you have like a large platform very careless and sort of damaging ways of seeing or like it's it's weird to propagate that way of looking at things that's what i'm trying to say um there's just this major influencer astrology influencer who is a filipino and they said that so and so placement explains why filipinos have this really immoral fascination with something also equally immoral <laughs> and that's so totalizing to say and i feel like you should be more careful and also that's just wrong that's really not what it means like get it right um also stop faking your credentials anyway um 
but yeah, you can look at the Philip the uh, the the chart of the Philippines and kind of see into the future, see into the present, um, and yeah, just apply those things that I've already mentioned. So Saturn generally like marginalization, if you will, um, whether that is in like smaller or less intense degrees or like really great degrees, depending on like several other factors. And then you have Jupiter, which is like planet of abundance. Then you can also look into uh, other planets for things like the economy, um, gender issues. Oh, and yeah, the moon represents the people, the people. So um, you can look into that also um, in terms of, say, for example, you can have a chart trying to see if a politician is going to be well received by the voters in general so you can look at the placement of the moon for that particular chart um you can look at mercury for oh this is interesting for like um news uh things like journalism and the youth also you can also look at the sun but the sun uh you can look at the sun for like leadership but it's it's such a fast moving luminary yeah so it's like not necessarily that sort of um, I guess significant. Uh, I don't really want to discard it totally, though. But anyway, so you can also look at Mercury for like fake news and who are who's lying. Are we are things being hidden from us? Are things being corrupted? Or is information being corrupted at this moment? Um, I think during the last elections, Mercury was in the twelfth house of like hidden things and like secrets, and it's it's not the most pleasant house. It's a very corrupt and corrupting house there yeah you could assume that there were some things hidden or things done under the table um yeah so you you can you can definitely use astrology to understand certain social issues political issues and larger national events um public issues yeah you can use astrology for your pub for the public issues and the personal troubles so that's a very thorough way of presenting of how to read natal charts of a country that's that's something i've only heard i think recently from your reading and also right now in a thorough explanation anything can have a natal chart my org has a natal chart your pets can have natal charts. Your relationship can have a, a natal chart. That's actually the thing also that modern astrologers don't really make obvious is that it's not limited to people and individuals. Anything can have a chart if it needs one. That's um, also one thing I use electional astrology for. Uh, electional astrology is the type of astrology I was talking about earlier. When it was time to found an org, we actually elected a date as our founding date. So it was really the birth of the org. It was selected. So yeah, in case you're thinking of having kids, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you actually can elect. I guess it won't be as... It will probably be a bit more complicated because you cannot hold your uterus back. But yeah, it's something you can consider. So that's that's something I'll take note of. <laughs> For certain events. Yeah, yeah, social movements can have natal charts mm. also but yeah anyway Tentala press could probably have uh, yeah <laughs> natal chart as well yeah maybe we'll discuss that in the org just to wrap things up in a way since considering yeah that um this podcast is mainly the listeners are from people who are aligned with feminist principles mostly people of course women people of the lgbtq community 
also both from a personal standpoint, I've observed people usually get into astrology are particularly women and also queer people. Yes. So, why is this the case? Why do you think astrology is considered to be a feminine coded practice? Because that's what I read when I actually ended up looking up this phenomenon or yung ganitong klaseng pangyayari. Why would people consider it as a feminine coded? Um, so for me, there's two ways I want to answer this. One, we can begin with like Western ideology and how they have defined traditional masculinity and traditional femininity in a certain way. And they have, I mean, not recently at all, they've, they have defined the masculine and the feminine through their culture and their ways of thinking. So Western ideology says that logic is masculine. Rationality is masculine. Whereas for the feminine, it's the irrational, emotion is feminine, intuition is feminine. And that's one way we can answer that question. Um, Definitely, if you're not science, you are probably in the realm of the feminine. (laughs) So things like divination, magic, and these things that cannot be pinned down um, by logic and the scientific method are definitely culturally we can consider feminine since we are also a very westernized country due to our history. Um, So that's one way it's feminine. The other is that it's a very subversive thing to be interested in these things. It is rejected knowledge. So these are the forms of knowing, forms of living, and forms of doing things that are not approved by dominant social structures. And those dominant social structures have also neglected and, and marginalized women and queer people. So there is an identification with something that is in the dark and something that feels subversive. I think a lot of people don't really realize how who they're giving a middle finger to when they decide they're going to be seriously interested in these things. And when they decide that they're going to choose this as a lens to see certain things or to define themselves, because this process of rejection, the process of rejecting the occult was a really long one. A lot of, a lot of important European people had to make real efforts to make sure that these bodies of knowledge permanently are flushed down and just rid the toilet. I was going to say the toilet, but yeah. And just sort of locked inside this dustbin so that they can remain dominant. It's like you are looking at years and years and of effort from these people whose disciplines have succeeded to become dominant or whose um, chosen forms of knowledge or seeking knowledge have become dominant you're looking at them and you're saying how about no (laughs) um how about we choose to do things this way actually and um, i know it's going to disturb you but i'm going to keep doing this because this feels more compatible for me so i think in less i guess in a less political sense it's really just a sense of identifying with something that has also been rejected and marginalized and it's a sense of finding a home also definitely uh, astrology being west i mean western astrology being western astrology i cannot speak for chinese astrology or even vedic astrology it's heteronormative but it's not necessarily telling you 
that like you know being gay is a sin it's not telling you that like you can't do it i think it makes itself more clear and that it doesn't necessarily see one way of life as superior to another it's not systematically oppressive at least not as much as other forms of spirituality if you know what i mean so it's a lot more it's just a lot more compatible i guess with people who have been marginalized queer people and women yeah no need to oppress certain people i mean there are like weird assumptions like heteronormativity but like it's not necessarily like a normative take that it's saying that you should be you should be this way this is a woman or I don't know. I don't I don't really think so. It's more like this is femininity. So you can choose to be feminine or not. It's just sort of making a claim about femininity but not necessarily saying you should be. I um that's just my opinion. Uh, certainly nowadays there could be like by goods writing astrology material so I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> it's actually a good take on the whole femininity and masculinity thing. I think I first encountered when a friend of mine, she actually gifted me this candle, which kind of stood for divine masculinities. And at first, I was very, oh, divine masculinities, is it referring to me becoming more like a man? And when she explained to me the concept of what it means in the astrological sense of emphasizing more divine masculinity, it's more about taking action. It's not necessarily associated with becoming more like, quote-unquote, a man. And divine mm-hmm. femininity referring to spirituality of some sort. So I think that is a very interesting take when it comes to gender associations, expressions yeah. of some sort. I mean, the, the essentialism of Western ideology is still reflected in there because who who says yeah. that divine femininity can't be taking action? I'm not saying she's wrong. That's exactly that she's correct in saying that divine masculine is more active and then divine femininity is more passive. So it's very essentialist. It's very essentialist. But I think, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a problem still due to Western ideology and how it, they have influenced the development of these forms of Western esotericism. But it's oh, still a world of difference between that and like, oh, like gay sex is evil. <laughs> You're going to hell. Alright, thank you so much, Bridge, for coming into the podcast, for discussing a different perspective and a different take on astrology, which I think a lot of people need to be cleared up, especially considering it's sudden, it's trending since considerably. I know a lot of people who really invested their time in the practice. So Also, it's like 2,000 years old. It's yeah. not going anywhere. I'm so sorry to all the cool kids who like to dismiss <laughs> occultism. It's scientifically proven to be powerfully renaissance and very significantly culturally impactful. So, um, stay pressed. Just kidding. <laughs> Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to promote before we end this episode? I really just want to promote UP Esoterica, um, my organization, because if I do have any personal projects, you can find it there. I am not an influencer type of person, so I'm not going to give you my socials. <laughs> but you, you can message me, but like, don't take it personally if I take a while to reply. Very introverted and avoidant person here. But yeah, um, everything will be on UP Esoterica. I mean, right now the page is quiet, but 
you know, do not mistake silence for inactivity. You know, it's just like the occult. People think nothing is happening there because it's this dark abyss, but there's a bunch of things going on. But yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for having me as your guest. And for being the bridge. <laughs> I'm so <sorry. laughs> no. bad fun. No, no, no. A lot of people make it. It's fine. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Gantala Press, for all the wonderful work. Bye-bye.